podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and this afternoon I'm joined by Lawrence Connolly and James Jota McKenzie to talk all things Celtic. How are you doing guys? Very yeah, good. Well. Brilliant, it's great to see the pair of you. Uh, obviously Lawrence and I covered the game at the weekend, James. Uh, where were you watching it? How did you enjoy or otherwise your weekend? Well, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. I'd rather say I suffered through it from the comfort of my own home. But I'm sure we'll get to talk about that game very, very soon because there's a lot to cover about it. You, you guys have covered it at great lengths already after the game. But uh, we'll see what I've got to say a bit later on. Aye, definitely. Uh, we had a good discussion yesterday as well. Stephen McCutcheon from Celtic Down Under joined us yesterday. Um, and by that time, I think the dust had settled a bit. We'd had an opportunity, if you can call it that, to watch the game back. Lawrence, I know you often do that. You watch the game a couple of times. Um, anything changed in your mind in relation to the performance, individual performances, refereeing decisions even? Yeah, how caught Cantwell doesn't get a booking. Uh, you, you know, I think he's four or five the first half, first 15 minutes of the second half, he's got another three. And Cal McGregor gets booked first booking. So it's... You know, I think uh, yesterday you covered it. You know, what do you expect from uh, Stephen McLean? Kobayashi, I think we can see. I don't know if maybe the crowd's got to him, but he's, he's all at sea for the first goal. You know, he doesn't know where the line is. He's, he's deeper than everyone else. And then he, he doesn't react quick enough. The rest of the half would we, be more or less controlled the first, first half. You know, O should score. He hits the post, maybe a bit unlucky. Abadi makes a complete hash. He's shot. Mm. You know, could have put, you know, should have scored there. And then Kobayashi, right, the, the death in the first half, he, he just gets out-muscled for that. I know Suter's got a hold of his shot, but I think there's a bit of that going both ways. He, he needs to be stronger than he needs to attack the ball. But, well, you know, you get 70, almost 70% possession first half, and you missed two cells, and you've sold two goals. The, the third goal is just a horrible goal to lose. You know, it's mixed up with two uh, normally solid dependable performers and stuff out on the ground. O'Reilly, I thought, had a good game. You know, he creates a chance he probably should have scored from. You know, he puts it in an easy place for the keeper. He done so well, from. didn't he? I put it low, but he creates it really well. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, O'Reilly showed it well. Starfield was was decent. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, maybe we're a bit harsh on the show. We're saying kind of no desire, no commitment, you know, no fight, you know, but we certainly didn't match it. I mean, that was a, a game where Kobayashi definitely lost his individual battle, didn't he? He did. He did. And and it comes down to individual battles in, in these games. It also comes down to people that are so reliable all the time. Carter Vickers was missing. He's one of those individuals. McGregor is normally one of those individuals, but he had an off day, an uncharacteristic off day in this fixture. James, what about yourself? Obviously, Lawrence and I agreed, disagreed, and uh, covered the game at length at the weekend. Um, what about yourself? We are going to try and pull as many positives as we possibly can. We'll also be looking at Andy's reaction um, 
the Celtic fans' reaction, because we've obviously seen how it's important to a lot of Celtic fans and others had the attitude of, it's a dead rubber, so it doesn't really matter. And I get all that. Uh, Lawrence and I spoke also about the narrative that develops from that. And uh, you were point, uh, quick to point out, Lawrence, that you don't care about the, the media. Quite frankly, you know, I, I'm the same, but I know a great deal of people do. And it does influence a lot of people's kind of mindset in terms of next season. I, I'm looking at a treble over three points has been far more important. So in summary then, James, what did you make of the game? And what positives, if any, can you take from it? I don't know about positive. I think Lawrence has mentioned the only positive, Matt O'Reilly. I thought he was one of the only players, the only player who got past marks. But I think there was probably three factors that contributed to Celtic losing on Sunday. And you've mentioned to them already, needless rotation, which I warned of a few weeks ago. I said, before we'd won the league, don't rotate for games like this because you know what they mean to the fans. And there's going to be a boost of hope and a boost of momentum on the Rangers' side. They'll be thinking, oh, we've got one over them there just before the end of the season, let's take that, we can try and build upon that going into the next season. The second sort of fact that I would say that contributed to it was standout players all season had an off day. Like, see, yeah. I I thought, even up until the mistake, I thought Starfield, it was all right until that mistake, but it's a catastrophic mistake. And it's, it was an unacceptable one at that as well. And the third fact was Rangers just wanted it more. The Celtic players were playing like it was the dead rubber that it was whereas the Rangers players were playing for pride. They haven't won a derby since the semi-final last year, last March. So there were, those are sort of three factors that I felt contributed to... It was just a really poor performance, a 3-0 defeat. But I think it'll be forgotten come... Well, the, the Player of the Year awards were last night already, so we were starting to ease off of it already, but for the moment of what it was, it wasn't very good, no. No, we'll be talking about other factors. And by the way, I didn't mean to make your eyes bleed for a second day running by having this jersey behind us, but we were going to have Natasha Mikko, um hosting the show today, but there's been a few technical issues, so I didn't have time to move the mannequin. Sorry, guys. Sorry, everybody. Uh, but the more comments that I'm getting about how bad it looks, the more I'm determined to take it on holiday with me. And I'm looking forward to putting the, the pictures up on social media. But it does take us to... Something that will take us away from the, the Rangers game in the aftermath for a wee while. And it's the old Celtic kit leaks. Um, there's been a few. Lawrence, uh, when it comes to Celtic jerseys, I am something of a traditionalist. I think there's a lot of things that no matter who the manufacturer is, they shouldn't get wrong. Um, and then the first thing that we've seen leaked was basically a green and white hoop jersey where everything was integral to whatever hoop it landed on. So the green Adidas stripes on the, the sleeves were green, on the green, the badge was white on white, and it looked brilliant, right? Um, and we thought initially that that was going to be the home kit. I think that would have been a glorious home kit. It would have been a phenomenal release. But we're hearing that it's a commemorative jersey, Lawrence. It's going to be one of these fourth jerseys that, if at all, is going to be maybe worn on one single occasion, um, it would have sold, it probably will sell in bucket loads anyway, but it would have been a vintage home jersey, would it not? Oh, I'd be cracking it. It may or may not be available on some websites uh, from the Far East already, but yeah. That's bizarre. Is, is that not bizarre how quickly they get on that? I, I can understand when it's the old retro ones you can't get your hands on anymore. And, and some jerseys were never released as replica kits, so I get all that, and I'm no fussed. But when it's a jersey that, obviously, is an income stream for the club and they're already making copies, uh, for want of a better word, getting them out online, 
I'm not sure I'm, I'm keen on that. I think it's just a market there, you know, you're 70 or 80 quid a jersey, aren't you? You know, so there's a lot of profit to be made there and they can save people money. I think that that's what it comes down to, you know, the price is pushed up so much. People are looking to go four jerseys a season, say it's 70 quid a throw, 280 quid. It's a, I think it's, it's an interesting cool. debate. It's an interesting debate, Lawrence, because on the one hand, I think the jerseys are astronomically priced. I think it's a rip-off for what you actually get. The garment that you get isn't worth the money you pay for it. The reason you're paying for it is because it's a Celtic garment and uh, the vast majority of that, if you buy it from the Celtic Superstore, goes to the club. And I think that's the issue I've got. None of the money goes to the club if you buy it from one of these other uh, sites. I think it's a good debate to have. Yeah, well, I don't know if you've got 70 quid to spend and I think you can get it for about 20 quid, can't you, the copies? It leaves you 50 quid you could spend in the Superstore, I suppose, if perhaps you, you're really desperate to get your money there. It's, listen, I, I think it's down to pricing. You know, if they're reasonably priced, there wouldn't be anywhere near the market there is for cut price jerseys. But if they didn't sell at that price, James, the price would drop. So they're obviously selling, aren't they? What a wait. Yeah, I, I like to wait until the end of the season where I can pick up a top for about £29. Like, now, I can. I haven't bought any of this season's jerseys. I've been waiting until these very sort of moments right now where I can pick up the bargains. But the thing is, with football tops, it's only going to get... <laughs> I didn't what pick was, up that What would you pay for this? What would you pay for this? If it was, if it was a five on a charity shop, <laughs> I wouldn't be picking that one up. Oh, I'm sorry. Seriously? With football tops, it's only getting more expensive. It's You're paying for the brand, as you were saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got teams like PSG doing collaborative tops with brands like Versace. The tops are only going to be getting more expensive, but it's becoming more of a sort of fashion thing than just yeah. club gear these days. No, it definitely is. And uh, I think that PSG obviously are at the forefront of that. Um, Celtic, will there be tie-ins with fashion brands? I don't know. Do, do probably, PSG probably have Sambas? Ah, very... Good point. Good point. We do have a fashion... Have a yeah, you're right. Did you have hits back in the day? Did you? They, they, did, yeah. they did a range of football boots as well. Um, yeah, so that was the first release. We then seen a, a potential third release, which, to be honest with you, I, I really like. I think it's a lot um, nicer on the eye. It's not a lot easier on the eye than the current third kit, which is the grey and kind of neon yellow effort. And then another one dropped. And uh, we've seen two versions of this supposed home jersey which had um, a stained glass effect within the hoops as well and it went down like a lead balloon on the socials these things are going to happen but surely Lawrence the club will be raging at Adidas particularly the the pictures that appeared on their official sites because the club haven't announced or launched these kits yet yeah they'll be raging all this publicity about it maybe cynical about it you know would someone really make this mistake but certainly they're getting headlines about a mistake being made the free publicity. But, you know, the stained glass effect, I think back to maybe the 95 Cup final with the crest effect in it, I quite like that. So I'll be interested to see if the, this is the stained glass effect, how it looks yeah, when you've got it. Because I, I, yeah. I quite like the, the 95, even though they varied the, the width of the hoops on it. Mm. I quite liked it, the 95 one, I thought it was a cracking jersey. Yeah, I'm a jersey um, pervert, so these things do interest me. a book about it. Aye, I have. I wasn't going to mention that once, but thanks for the thanks for that. that. Is that still for sale? It's still available. Yeah, buy it from the superstore, so the money goes to the club. Um, 
Natasha may be joining us. And if Natasha does join you, I'm going to give you a break from not just myself, but also this beautiful specimen on the mannequin. So we'll see if uh, everything's working at Natasha's end. I think uh, we're good. I think we're good. We good. I think technical issues are resolved and I am here to substitute for you, Paul. Superb. I'll drop out um, and I'll, I'll take, get, my take my jersey with me. me. Here we go. Boys, how are you? Sorry to join the chat late and thanks to everyone who's been watching, who's been with us during the technical issues this morning. But it's been a couple of weeks since I have been on the bulletin. I have been on holiday, but I am now back. Pleased to join you both again. Um, so I'm going to butt into the conversation here. Lawrence, James, how are we both? Yeah, doing well. Doing well. Despite uh, the result of the weekend, it, it still looks like we'll win a treble. We just need to console ourselves with that. Yes, um, and I'm not sure what we've covered so far, but the, the bragging nights over the course of the season, I think, are very much with with our team. Um, I don't think you can go into a summer period having won no trophies while your your rivals are on course for a, a domestic travel and having the bragging nights. But um, I think as long as we know that, the team know that, and Ange knows that, I don't think anyone's too, too bothered about the, the external noise. Um, and we will talk a bit about the, the game over the course of this show. I know we've touched on it a little bit already this morning and we've talked about the kits as well. But I do want to, to talk about the Derby game um, because it is the most recent one. It is only Tuesday. We are still looking at it. We're still looking for if there's any positives we can take, what went wrong, how we make sure that we, we fix it. James, I'll, I'll come to you first. Give me a bit of a a summary of, of what you made of Sunday? It was hard viewing, to, to say the least. Uh, I mentioned a couple of factors I thought really contributed to the defeat, but it feels like it's, it's really been forgotten already. Mm. It was, I, I had a bit of a meltdown on the Sunday, as much like other Celtic fans. There was sort of two contrasted opinions, those that were didn't really care, were unfazed, and there was those that thought it was the end of the world, like myself. But when the when the treble comes to the end of the season, I think that the the three trophies will wipe off the three goals that Celtic conceded at Ibrox on Sunday, and hopefully everything will be fine by then. But you were at the, the attendance at the Player of the Year awards. What was the mood with the players? Were they sort of over it already? I know it's a night of celebration already, but was everything fine with them? Yeah, certainly nobody was devastated by not having the bragging rights over the summer, as some camps like to think that we might not um, know. Spirits were great. Player of the Year awards, as always, a very good night. Um, it's a chance for the, the fans to celebrate the season, but it's also a chance for the players to celebrate the season that they've had as well. It's a time for them to be awarded for all the hard work and all the effort that's gone in over the course of the season. And it's nice that they're not only awarded by the fans who vote on them, but by their teammates as well in terms of the players played of the the year awards. Lawrence, I don't think there's many arguments for who got the awards um, on the night. It was certainly very popular candidates. Kyogo obviously won the players player of the year award um, and he ran away with it uh, to be honest they started the vote they all showed they showed the players on the screen giving their votes who nominates who and why and it started relatively even with a few players picking up a vote here and there Kyogo got some Hatati got some McGregor got some Cameron Carter Vickers got some um, and then Kyogo ran away with it to the extent that they took the count off the screen. Um, I think he was on 17 by the by the end of the vote. Um, so he was a very runaway winner from his, his fellow teammates. But Lawrence, would, would he have got your vote? He scored a lot of goals. I suppose it's always easy to give it a goal scorer, isn't it? Uh, Adam maybe went for... 
I mean, Hatati was my favourite beginning of the season for. I thought he was going to do it, but his injury, I think, maybe stops him. I'd have probably went for Carmen Carter Vickers, and maybe that's underlined by the weekend's result. Yeah, I think Carmen Carter Vickers got my vote anyway. Um, he's one that I voted for. I think when someone's scoring 30 plus goals a season, it is very hard to look past them, James, isn't it, when we're looking at player of the year? But a lot of that good work, and Kyogo's acknowledged it himself over the course of the season, a lot of that good work comes from his teammates as well. You know, He's getting very, very good service from some very talented players, and particularly the, the wingers. When you're playing with players like Jota and Maeda and Abada and O'Reilly and Aaron Moy, who are putting them on a plate for you, they are making his job a bit easier for him, aren't they? Yeah, they, there's not really many big chances where he will just create it himself. He doesn't go on any mazy runs or crazy solo goals. It's always his movement. He's always in the right place at the right time. And there's a reason Matt O'Reilly's the top assist in the league because he's laying it off to the best striker, like the best marksman Celtic have had in a long time. God knows how long, however long. That's a big debate for another day whether he's the best since last or not. But he was definitely my player of the year. I'd, I'd nailed on Hitati at the start of the season. That was my bold prediction. But I would have had Carter Vickers a close second. That was a good call from yourself. But I would have had Kyogo, definitely. And just on the young player here, I think it had to be Matt O'Reilly for me. I think Abada has been in and out of the team too much. Matt O'Reilly, out of all the nominees, has been the only real sort of mainstay in the team this season. So it couldn't be anybody else but Matt O'Reilly. Yeah, I think that was a, a very fair shout as well. Another one, obviously, that, that was awarded from the men's side of things anyway was um, Ben Summers. The Academy Player of the Year went to to Ben Summers and obviously it's been fantastic to see him get some minutes um, for the first team this season too. And I think that'll be a real sort of, you know, push for him to go on and feature even more, even perhaps towards the end of this season. And I think more next season, I expect to see him trying to feature on the bench a bit more unless, Lawrence, we take the view that he'd be better suited to, to a loan deal to get some game time under his belt. But equally good to see him being awarded and being part of the night as well. Other youth team players that were there, Vata was there, Lawal was there. So it's good to see them being involved in that and really sort of cementing their place as first team players now. Yeah, whether it goes on loan, I suppose we'll have an eye to the European squad and the, the quota there. Young players definitely need minutes and not so much when we're 3-0 up and 10 minutes at the end, you know, how much of a test is it then? So, you know, we talk about it often, how do we develop players to the correct level? The lone leagues, you know, it's not the toughest league in the world. So, we're down to Ange. I think look at the quota, maybe get them out for half a season on loan. You know, if we're 3-0 up and they come on for 10 minutes, it's not the toughest test for them. Rather than getting kind of ninety minutes week in week out, would be would be better for half a season. Develop them quicker. Yeah, James. Before we move on, I do want to talk a bit about um, the game on Sunday, and um, we've not had a chance to catch up about it yet. And I want to hear in the comments as well a bit about what went wrong and what we've learned from it. For me, I think it was a case of too many changes, both forced and enforced as well. Um, which is interesting because I think we've seen we've talked a lot throughout the season about the changes, about our strength and depth, about how there's a limited drop off in quality between our first eleven and our so-called second eleven. Although I know Andrew really enforces the fact that he doesn't have a first and second eleven, he has an eleven who he thinks will win the game ahead of him. But we do tend to know who's our starting eleven and who are 
substitutes are, if you like. But something that we've said throughout the course of the season is that when we make these changes, there isn't that big a drop-off because of our strength and depth, because of that quality. We look at our bench and we say they could walk into any other team in this league um, with ease. But on Saturday... We didn't. We made some of these changes, but we did see a big drop off in terms of the quality. So, what do you think, Lawrence? Is it a case of too many changes at once, or does the second eleven, if you like, maybe not have that strength and depth that we thought they did? I think you know. There's a few factors. Not least, but won the league at a canter and it's over. You know. As much as people say, you know, keep your standards up, it's hard to be as motivated when you've already won it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if that was a title decider, would the players have put more in it? I think they definitely would have. You know, no away fans is a factor. Is there a drop-off in quality? Well, I, th- I think the original, we'll, we put out a really young team, but they need to get experience, you know. Players like Abada, is he going to be a 90 minutes player? For He's a great impact sub at the moment. But what a chance he has in the first half. He should, you know, he's mm-hmm. got to score with that. Bernabe's not had a lot of minutes. Kobayashi's not had a lot. Neither is all. You know, these guys need to learn the pressure they're facing, the standards that's demanded of them. You know, Callum's come out and said, you know, we fell, fell short of that. It, it's making sure it doesn't happen again, isn't it? Yeah, that's the important point. And James, for me, I feel like Ange is the sort of person that we've come to know over the course of the last couple of seasons he's very strong on mentality he's a winner he likes to win every single game is important to him and we've got a lot of really strong leaders in that dressing room as well we're talking about players like Cal McGregor we're talking about players like Joe Hart Greg Taylor for me I would be really surprised if there was a mentality aspect coming to this because the game in the context of the league isn't going to change any positions but there is no game for Celtic and certainly no derby game that can be considered meaningless if you like. So I feel like the players will have still went out there with the right mentality or do you think as Lauren says, was there this element of the league's won and does that impact the performance even subconsciously, even if they're not acknowledging it or feeling it, is there some subconscious part of them that didn't play to the same ability they would have been able to had that game mattered in the context of the league positions? I think I'm in the same boat as Lawrence on this one. I think the Rangers, they were getting first to every ball. Whereas if you look at the derbies that were played over the course of this season, it's been Celtic's pressing that has led to goals. It's been Celtic's fight that has led to us having the control of the game. And we were just really lacking that, I thought. As Lawrence mentioned, a bad, a, a big chance missed. I think we could have really done with Dais Maeda in the team just to even help pin Rangers back a bit. Because Rangers... Despite Celtic having the possession, most of the attacking chances were going Rangers' way. Having Dyes made on the team would have helped sort of keep Celtic on the front foot. And even when Rangers are trying to build out from the back, you could have had a Dyes made trying to press them and hold them back. So I think the mentality of the team looked a bit questionable on the day. It's not been questionable over the course of the season because we've won the league at the end of the day and we're on course for another treble. I don't think you can question the mentality over the course of the season, but just that game, you definitely can. And Rangers clearly had a bit more fight on the day. 
Yeah, I think that's right. And I think it's important to remember that while we are looking at the most recent game, which we do every time we come on here on Axon, we look at the most recent game, which in this case was Saturday's. We look at that, we analyse that, we look at the good parts, we look at the bad parts, and we're doing the same again today. It was a 3-0 defeat at something that we're not used to, but we are going to look at it. That's in no way taken away from anything that we have achieved over the course of the season, which has been absolutely phenomenal yet again. And yes, like you said, James, we've all said Rangers deserved to win that game at the weekend, but Celtic deserved to win the league. Over the course of the season, we're the team who are the better side and have deserved to win the league. Um so I think it's important to, to remember that even while we are analysing this one. Lauren, something that you mentioned um, as one of the various factors that contributed to the, the defeat at the weekend was the allocation and the atmosphere. Um, as we know, there was no Celtic fans in there. There was no one backing the team. There wasn't even the token 700, and we know why that is. Um, we know that Celtic were concerned about the, the safety of those 700 fans who could have been there. Um, so the allocation was turned down while they were still at those numbers. Lannis, what sort of impact do you think that had, not having anyone at all in the stands to back the team? I think for me, it didn't have the same sort of derby feel to it, but I think that's you know, a combination of things again. I think I was at the beanbag at Celtic Park watching it on Saturday. Um, and even from the start, it just didn't really feel like a derby. I know the league's won. I know that that probably has something to do with it as well. Then when it came on the TV and, you know, there's no Celtic fans there, it didn't have that derby feel to it. And do you think it affected the players not having any fans at all and giving them their backing? Well, see, I, I think it, fans, you know, definitely affect the player. We, we, we hear players talk about it all the time. You know, it drives them on. You know, without the fans there, it, it, it definitely affects them negatively. Losing an early goal allows the, the Rangers fans to get up and back their team, you know, so, yeah, that will definitely have an effect, but it's learning to play through that. You know, mm-hmm. they need to learn to overcome it. You know, I suppose experience is, is an aim you give to your mistakes. You know, Saturday, there was a lot of mistakes, but the atmosphere for me, you know, was it intimidating? You know, a lot of illegal, sectarian, racist songs throughout that Sky don't seem to feel worthy of highlighting. Players getting objects thrown at them as we knew would happen. What will it take for the SFA or the SPFL to step in? Well, it's certainly another game where there was incidents that can be talked about that aren't to do with the football. And, you know, when O'Reilly's taking the corner and things like that, it's just, it's not nice to see is that no one wants to watch a derby game and see that sort of thing going on. But the worst thing for me, like Lawrence, as you've touched on, is that it's hardly mentioned. It's just seen wrongly as, as part and parcel of it now it's just another occurrence of something like that happening and it gets not even mentioned it gets forgotten about almost in the, the days that follow the last thing that was highlighted you know when uh, to get gold disallowed rightly you know ref gets death threats what emboldens these people to make death threats has it been allowed to sing illegal songs for goodness knows how many years without any real action being taken against them would that say well it's okay for you to break the law because, you know, it's safe call. That's fine. Does that, you know, if you're saying it's okay for you to go go beyond the mark there, why wouldn't they take it further? You know, why aren't they pushing it further? You know, the authorities need to look at this and go, well, we can't give a, a fan, pay, fan base carte blanche and then walk away when something something goes wrong. It's not that long ago we had a, a manager receiving bombs and bullets through the post from that very fan base. 
why do they think that's acceptable? Is it I because do wonder what society we'll allows it? Yeah, I do wonder what we'll see going into to next season. Um, personally, I think there will be a return to allocations. I don't think they'll be at the levels that we've previously seen in the, the Derby games. I don't think we'll ever get the full room loan stands back again. But James, I think we will see some sort of agreement that we come to, I think maybe around the 3,000 mark um, to get both sets of fans back into each other's stadiums going forward next season. We know it's in Rangers' hands to fix. We know that the club have made that pr- proposal. We know that it's been rejected. We know that it's up to, to them to, to bend on that position. James, is it something that you would want to see going forward next year? Is that 3,000 Celtic fans in Ibrox supporting the team? I think that could have made a difference on Saturday. We know that players like Callum McGregor have come out and spoken about it before. Um, and they've said that they would have even welcomed the, the 700. We know why it was turned down, obviously, because of the safety reasons that we've touched on. But even 700, he said before, is is preferable to to none. And looking at the comments now, so thank you for everyone who is coming in and weighing in on this one. But there is a lot of support for returning to some sort of European-style allocation, James. Yeah, I'd love to see it. And as you mentioned, the players love to see it as well. I was there at the Cal McGregor press conference when he was when he was asked about it and he was clearly on board. He knows how important this derby is. He knows how big it is on a global worldwide scale in the world of football and it's about how fierce the rivalry is. And what's a rivalry if there's no opposition, if there's no opposition fans? It's Is it really a rivalry? That's a big part of it. You need... You need the fans back, but I, I'm not. I don't really think it's going to return next season. I think it'll be quite a bit down the line because neither clubs really want to budge in it. I don't think Rangers would budge until they won a league title and they were on top because it would be. I think they would almost see it as admitting inferiority by mm-hmm. sort of giving up the allocation. I don't think they would see it as being the bigger man or the bigger team. So you've just got to hope that the clubs can come to sort of some sort of stalemate and. Just give back the allocation because for both fans, it's a benefit for both fans. And it's just to bring the derby back to what it was years ago, it's one step forward towards that. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I want, I want to look forward as well. I want to look forward to this St Mirren game because we learn things from defeat. I think you learn thing, more from defeat than you do when you win. So there'll be plenty of, for Ange to learn and to analyse from that defeat on Saturday and I think what Saturday was I think it was a real opportunity for a lot of these fringe players to play themselves into perhaps a position in the cup final I think it was a a real opportunity for them to go out and make their mark and we'll look at them in turn but for me I think Andrew's got a bit of a debate now because I don't think any of the fringe players who came in really made enough of an impact or enough of a positive impact to say to him, boss, I should be starting that cup final. I don't think any of them did that. So looking ahead to St Mirren, I wonder whether he has the option of either giving them another go at it, and we see the headline on our, our screen, um, and confirms that there are no no freebies, which is very much true. So do you give some of these players, um, players like, oh, players like Abada, do you give them another start on at the weekend against St Mirren or do you turn to some of the other fringe players perhaps some of the substitutions came ho- on looking at players like Haxabanovic, Jawata, even Turnbull and I think we can we can look at them in, in turn Lawrence so the players you know who who came in either enforced or otherwise we're looking at players like Abada we're looking at oh we're looking at Kobayashi we're looking at Ralston we're looking at Burnaby now some of them may start as a result of the player they're replacing being injured but starting with with Abada 
something that James touched on is that we really missed Maeda. And I agree with that, Lawrence. I think we missed his work rate. I think defensively we missed his work rate. I think when we play against Rangers, he really helps to deal with the pressure that Tavernier puts on. So I think his defensive work rate was a loss as much as his attacking work rate was. Abada got the nod. We know that he's been good against Rangers in the past. But I think that that was a game for Maeda and I don't think Abada did himself any favours in terms of saying I should be playing that cup final, Lawrence. Yeah, but listen, with Abada, I think, you know, we see why Ange kind of takes him in and out of the team. You know, he's still very young. You know, he's got phenomenal numbers. But, you know, he can't be hit and miss. It didn't work well for him. I wouldn't be surprised to see the same defence start again. You know, AJ is injured. Gavin Carter-Vickers is out, so that's, you know, Ralston and Kobayashi have got to start. Greg's been carrying an injury, you know. A team needs to find its rhythm. That You know, that defence, the more minutes they get on the park, we need to bring them on. We need to know, are we looking at another left-back? You know, is Burnaby going to be good enough next season if we're missing him? Owen Kyogo, you know, it's the, you know that's a two-choice of strikers. Owen's not had a lot of minutes either, you know. He's looked okay so far. You know, he's looked decent, but we need to give him more minutes. Mm. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised at that. I, I suppose it's the more established French players that you're looking at and going, badder. Yeah, you're maybe not a 90-minute player yet. You know, you're an impact player. You're a second-half player, but not quite the 90-minute the player. But, you know, he's a very young player, isn't he? So he, he needs to learn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The, the league's free, you know, it's just preparation for a cup final. I know Andrew saying there's no freebies, but, you know, we're not going to lose the league now. It is, it is. Um, you know, so it's as close to a freebie as you get, isn't it? It is. James, I think all that, you know, as Lawrence has touched on, he was he's one of the ones that you really, I think, debate. The guy needs minutes. He's young, he's got a lot of potential, but he needs minutes under his belt. We gave him a very big task in terms of leading the line at Ibrox. I think, he, for me, he came up a bit short. Um, I don't think that he got involved enough as perhaps Kyogo would have. You know, he had seven touches on the ball before, you know, at, at half time. You need your striker to be more involved in that. And I absolutely do accept the point that he perhaps wasn't getting the service from the players around about him, that Rangers were nullifying his threat a bit more. But for me, I certainly think Kyogo would have been putting himself about a bit more and coming and trying to find the ball if he was getting that few touches. But there's the debate, isn't there? You know, he needs minutes, so we've given him minutes. Ange says there's no freebies, but does he get more minutes yet again against St And For me, I would be tempted to play him again. We already know what Kyogo's got to offer. We know that he's a goal scorer. We know that he's a player of the year. He will start the cup final. I don't think there's any debate about that. Is there any point in starting him against St Mirren? He doesn't need more minutes in his legs as such. I'm sure he's still training very hard at Lennox Town. Is there any point of bringing Kyogo back in for a, a runabout before the cup final? For me, I would say let's maybe give him the last 30 minutes. But I think O, despite not being on his best at Ibrox, I think O should lead the line again from the start and get more minutes under his belt, James. Yeah, I think you've got to give O minutes. You've got to give the fringe players minutes in this game in general because it would be a bit, it would be pretty strange if Ange completely rotated the team for the, the Rangers game and then went back to full strength for St Murn at home it would basically be admitting he sort of fluffed it and got it wrong at Ibrox but I don't think O's at a level to be properly competing with Kyogo at the moment at the same level Yakamakis was 
he's still a few levels below that, I think. And the only way you're going to get him to that level is by giving him game time. And I think this would be a good game for it. I think St. Martin are probably the worst team out of the yeah. championship group in the split. So I think this will be a game where you could really give oh, a chance. And I wonder if Bernabe will stay in the team as well, because I've seen a lot of stick going his way. I wasn't very impressed with his performance, but I didn't think he was the worst fullback on the park at Ibrox. I thought Ralston had a very poor performance, but Ralston, he's got to stay in the team. But I wouldn't be surprised if Greg Taylor came back in the team either. But I'd like to see Iwata that you mentioned a bit earlier as well. I'd like to see him yep. in as well, because I've always been impressed with Iwata when he's played in the limited sort of minutes he's had at Celtic. I think if I think if we are looking at Taylor perhaps carrying a knock, then it comes into the same category for me as, as Kyogo does. Is there any point in playing him against St Mirren at home and perhaps saving him for the cup final? I think I agree with James Lawrence. I think one area that we really did struggle with at Ibrox was our fullback positions. Um, we know that neither are our starting fullback. And both players that they've replaced are players who have been really important for us this season. Greg Taylor obviously got a Player of the Year nomination, particularly in the first half of the season. He was massively important for us. Um, and then obviously Alistair Johnston came in for the second part of the season um, and has shown to be a more than adequate replacement for the departing Juranovic. So two really key players for us who a lot of our good work comes from. And when you look at the stats, Celtic fullbacks are often often the ones who have the most touches on the ball. They get a good amount of assists between them as well. So to lose both of them, to lose both Taylor and Johnston, um, I think we really struggled. I don't think we played as inverted as we usually do. I don't think we got forward as much as they usually do. But looking ahead, not only to St Mirren in the cup final, we know that Johnston won't be back and we know that Taylor's a bit of a doubt. So I think, Lawrence, looking forward, again, we will see a lot more of Ralston and, and Burnaby. Yeah, definitely. Listen, I'd start with the same defence, and they don't play the full-back position as as well as the boys, you know, as AJ and and Greg. But you know, they need to learn that. They need to learn that about fullback. They need games to get them up to speed. They're playing it. You know, how often is that defence taking the field that back four together? You know, you know, they need to get an understanding. Kobayashi definitely wasn't there at the first goal. You, you know, he's sitting too deep. He's slow to react. So, yeah, it's kept them minutes. And you, you've got an eye on Europe next year. You know, do we need another left back in? Is Bernabe going to be an able deputy if, you know, Taylor's injured? You, you, you need to kind of suss that out. And we don't have many games left to do it in. So, yeah, play them. You don't want Taylor getting injured or, or, or aggravating his injury. You'd like to think he's going to come back maybe the game before the cup final, then play the cup final. You wouldn't want him coming in cold. So, yeah, play, play the same one. Uh, I think with them not playing the inversion as well. well. I think we might have slightly <laughs> lost Lawrence's stream there. So, James, I'll come over to, to you. I, I, I that, the point he was making on Ralston, <laughs> it, it doesn't, I think it's his lack of minutes this season, which has been caused by that injury he had at the start. And when the team was settled, as soon as Juravic goes, we bring in another right back. He's not really had. Yeah. a chance this season when he has had chances because he's not had the minutes to build up the confidence he's not looked the same he looks like he's forgotten the system in which he was so good in last season we can't forget how good Ralston was last season and then you compare it to how he was last weekend it was like 
the Ralston of old, the Ralston that we thought we wanted gone immediately, that we were stunned when his contract got extended. It was that Ralston that we saw. So I think he needs minutes just like oh to build up that confidence to get back to that level. That's right, James. And something else that, that Lawrence had mentioned, he said that he would start the same back four again um, that played at Ibrox. And Kobayashi is one of them. He's obviously come in given um, Cameron Carter-Vickers injury. And I just, I'd just like to know what your take on him is at the moment. I think he is a player with massive potential. I think that he's still very young um, and he's got a lot to learn. But I think the potential that he has is really, really high. I've been a little bit concerned both at Tyne Castle and at Ibrox at the way he's been a little bit weak, slightly bullied um, by the, the strike force of both of those teams that I mentioned. And I think he was a little bit concerning at each of the goals at Ibrox, if I'm honest. Um, I think certainly for the the first goal that Hart pushes out, it's obviously we can debate whether Hart should have done slightly better with that, whether he should have pushed around the post, whether it came at him so hard. There was nothing else he could have done. But regardless of what Hart does, I think Kobayashi has to be on his toes a little bit more than that. I think he needs to react a bit quicker. Um, for the suitor header, I think he needs to be a little bit stronger, a lot stronger, really. I think he, he got pushed off the ball far too easily there. Um, the third goal, obviously, a mix-up between McGregor and Starfelt, but his positioning at the time as well, he was, again, slightly on his heels in terms of trying to get back and cover James. So... I think Lawrence is absolutely right. I think given the position that we're we're in, Kobayashi will absolutely start in the remaining games this season. I don't think there is any really strong argument for, for starting anyone else. I may be talking about someone like Stephen Welsh or Boston Lawell who are the only real options. Um, I, so I think that point. Yeah. I was going to ask what Welsh's status is because I think Stephen Welsh... Kobayashi will start for me. I think Stephen Welsh was good at the start of the season. Now. I'm not Steve Melcher's biggest fan, but he's a solid enough player. He's just not had enough minutes. I think there's potential on Steve Melch. I'm not sure what his status is, but I would maybe like to see him get an opportunity ahead of Kobe Ashley, because I don't think Steve Melch gets bullied like that off of John Suit. I think he's a bit stronger and a bit more firmer in the air than um, Kobe Ashley would have been there. So he was really poor from the off against Hearts as well. He had Shankland and Ginelli bullying him, causing all sorts of problems. John Stewart causing him problems there. I think if Rangers had other players on the park, they would have perhaps caused him even more problems. And if he's getting problems caused by those sorts of players, what's going to happen in a European game next season? So we just need to see a bit more of him because we've only seen about four or five starts this season. But I, I wouldn't knock, I wouldn't knock down the Welsh curveball just yet. Yeah. Lawrence, I'll come to you on this one as well, because I think for me, if it hadn't been for the fact that Kobayashi needs a bit more game time before the cup final, I think the game against St Mirren would be a great chance to give Stephen Welsh some minutes. Or even Boston Lowell, who um, has been in and around the first team training for a while. He obviously, I don't think he had his best game in the cup final. Um, I think that he's played a lot better in, in the beating games I've watched this season. He's looked head and shoulders above some of the other players on the pitch. But I don't think in that, that Youth Cup final that Celtic won on penalties, I don't think Lawal had his, his best game, albeit scored a, a good penalty in the shootout. But if it wasn't for the fact that I think Kobayashi needs a little bit more game time, needs some more time within that back four to, to settle a bit before the Cup final, if it wasn't for that, I think I would have liked to have seen a bit either Welsh or Lawal getting some game time against St Mirren. But for me, I think it needs to be Kobayashi. Was it? I think... Stephen Welsh, I think, you know, I, I I think he's a decent player and 
I'd like to see him a bit more. And I think Ange's decided he doesn't have a future as a start player for Celtic. And it, that's it. I think he'll be moved on in the summer. Well, the, you know, Lowell, the jury's still out on, but I think it's miles away from being a backup centre half in reality. You know, would you get to Europe next season with him there? No. So I think it needs to be Kobayashi to see what we've got, to see if he's up to a level. If not, we're going to be after another centre half. <laughs> you know, and we've got four games left. He needs to stand up, he needs to get up to speed and show Ange that. He was right to reward him. He was right to let Gents go and and bring him in, because if not, we'll, we'll need a replacement for Europe. We'll need a, a better level of of centre half. And, and don't don't forget, you know, I think Starfield has been brilliant, but we may we may face some bids for Starfield. Yeah, mm-hmm. summer. I think that's. I think Starfield was very good, and I do want to come on to that and talk about the players who we do think were good at Ibrox because there were some performances which you know weren't all that bad in the grand scheme of things, James. And um, Paul John was on yesterday um, talking about who got pass marks and the players that he said were Starfelt. Um, and he also said O'Reilly and Jota. And looking back on it, I probably agree with that. Um, one player that you'd always usually have in that list is Callum McGregor. But I think her midfield got slightly overrun um, at Ibrox. He obviously was involved in that mix-up for the goal. Mistakes happen. He's been absolutely phenomenal this season. And if anyone isn't prone to a mistake, it's certainly Callum McGregor. But I think, James, for me, if you were sort of looking at at past marks, O'Reilly, Jota, and yeah, Starfelt, for me, probably does feature in there again. I know he was equally as involved in the mix-up as McGregor was. But other than that, I think he defended relatively well. I think just on McGregor, that's one of the worst domestic games he's had at Celtic in a long, long time. Like he'd be going back to the COVID season to try and pick it on McGregor performance to equal how poor he was at the weekend. I thought I was saying I was on the phone to my dad at half time in the game and I was saying that I thought Starfield was our best player in the park in the first half. I thought he despite the two goals that we'd conceded, he wasn't really at fault for anyone and he seemed like one of the only players yeah. showing a real bit of fight. And Matt O'Reilly is sort of in a similar mode to that. He seemed to be up for the occasion, unlike a lot of the players who didn't seem up for the occasion or sort of shied away and cowered under the occasion of the Derby match and the, the atmosphere of the stadium. But just on Jot, I thought he was pretty quiet. I didn't really see much from Jot. It seemed like he was trying to do something, but he didn't really have the support that he would usually have for Maeda or Kyogo in that front line to really help him out. It was an Abadu who hasn't really played that often and I know who we've barely seen in a Celtic shirt. So perhaps we would have seen a bit more from Jota had he had sort of better partners up there with him. But I'd, I'd, I agree with most of those pass marks. I'd say O'Reilly, but O'Reilly and Jota, if I was being if I was being really kind to the Celtic players, I'd say O'Reilly and Jota, but for me it would just be Matt O'Reilly. Lawrence, I'm going to put that one over to you as well. I think for me, I probably agree with James. We're a wee bit on the fence on Jota. I think what he does is he, he was always shown for it. He was always trying. He was always trying to take someone on. He was always willing. Um, it, was it always coming off? No, it wasn't. Um, the players round about him probably didn't really help that particularly either. I think he obviously links up a lot better with Kyogo than he did with, with O, given O's limited touches on the ball. I think that fact is true. But Lawrence, if, if you had to, to give Parks pass marks out for first uh, the game at the weekend on Saturday, who who would have made it for you? Well, definitely Starfield, you know, without a doubt. You know, 
he, I think he was easily the best player. O'Reilly, yeah, he was trying to make things happen. You know, he should be, the chance he creates for himself. He should have put it hard and low when he's through. But yeah, I'd give O'Reilly. Jota's shown he wasn't hiding. He was trying stuff. I didn't think Tony Ralston had a bad game. You know, he puts one in a plate for a bad in the first half. Yeah. I think probably second half was the, the biggest disappointment, the lack of fight in the second half. No, first half we had chances. We've lost two soppy goals, but in the second half, we didn't really look like turning it around other than you know, O'Reilly creating a chance. You're thinking there's not a lot happening out there. You know, Callum was, was, you know, he said himself way short, he's, he's normal standard, perhaps he's tired, perhaps it was not having fullbacks that know, that know how to play the inverted as well, giving that extra help in midfield. But, you know, it's a bad day at the office, it's second league game lost this season. Put it behind us, move on, you know, as long as we learn from it and say, look, we don't want to drop those the, uh, levels again. I suppose the flip side you can look at it is if we only drop our levels twice a season, domestically, it's not, it's not the end of yeah. the world. I do think we have to, to put it in that context and it is one game over the course of a very, very successful season. We can look at it, we can analyse it um, and I'm sure that will be going on to a much, much bigger extent at, at Lennox Town and a good opportunity um, to take a little bit of a a step back and look at what goes right and what goes wrong, especially ahead of a, a cup final. Um, I know that Celtic are strong favourites going into the cup final, but it's a one-off cup game and you never know what can happen. And we do all need to be on our best if we can't be complacent about it. Um, and maybe suffering a defeat like like that helps to avoid complacency. And I'm certainly sure that there will be a lot of players who will be needing to put in a very, very big shift at Lennox Town over the, the coming weeks and a good performance against St Mirren if they do want to keep their place for the cup final. Now, thank you for everyone who has been commenting. We are seeing them all. Paddy Labrie has come in and asked why there aren't any comments on the screen. Um, and the answer is technical issue. Um, the technical issues that were affecting us at the start of the show are meaning that we cannot bring your comments up on the screen throughout the course of today's bulletin. But we very much appreciate them. We can see them. We're reading them. And please do keep them, them coming. If you're not watching live, um, please do let us know what you, you think of the show and feed into any of the points that we're making in the YouTube comments section as well. And of course, on our social media pages too. So thank you for that. Guys, I also want to talk about um, our women's team because I've not been on in a couple of weeks and it has been a very exciting few weeks for the women's team. Um, I got back from holiday on Thursday and went straight to Celtic Park for that game against Glasgow City. It was absolutely fantastic. The girls won 3-1 and we'll talk about what that does for the league title challenge in a minute. But I want to talk firstly about the atmosphere. You know, as we... We saw the Green Brigade boys, North Curve, they all got together, they occupied their proposed Celtic end and gave an example of what that could look like should that go ahead. Um, and it was certainly a spectacle. And I know the girls in Fran absolutely loved having that backing. They didn't sit down, they sang for 90 minutes. It created an incredible atmosphere and it looked really good as well. You know, when the girls are shooting into that end in the second half, I think that massively contributes to the fact that they're able to push on and, and get that that victory and I absolutely do get the reluctance of a lot of fans who have sat in that stand in those seats for years and years for generations who have emotional attachments to their seats who don't want to give them up for a proposed Celtic end 
And I think, you know, for that reason, I think there will be a lot of opposition, which might mean it does struggle to go ahead in the way planned at the moment. But James, did you see some of that game? Did you see the atmosphere? What did you make of that? Yeah, you could see it all from the girls' Instagram feeds. They clearly loved the the turnout. Yeah. I'm not. Is it the record for the Scottish women's crowd? It was, yeah, absolutely fantastically. Celtic now hold the record um, for domestic club game attendance for a women's match. The national record is, is still with Scotland for a national team game against Jamaica, but the club record now sits with Celtic. There's 9,553 at that game, which is a new record. So it's absolutely we fantastic that Celtic it. are at the forefront of driving that forward. Yeah, we can top it. Massive weekend ahead of us. I think both games you've got Rangers and Glasgow City, and you've got the Celtic game. They're both on the TV this weekend. They'll both be on free TV, BBC. So if you can't get along, to support the girls, which try and break on our record crowd. It could be something massive. See them maybe lift a trophy as well. Uh, try and catch up the TV as well. Yeah, I mean, that's it. So throughout the course of this broadcast today, it has been announced that Celtic will be playing their final game of the season against Hearts at Celtic Park. So that game has been moved from Airdrie to Celtic Park. So the girls do get to play their final game of the season there at Celtic Park. And let's try and hit the 10,000 barrier. Let's try and re-break our our own record because it's shaping up to be some end to the season. We are now going into the last game of the season with three teams still able to win the league, Celtic, Rangers and Glasgow City. So this one is going down to to the wire, just to give a bit of a, a recap of where we're at with one game to go. Glasgow City are on 80 points. Celtic and Rangers are both on 78 points and Rangers are one goal better in terms of the goal difference on Celtic. So what do we need to happen this weekend? If Rangers and Glasgow City draw at that game that's going to be played at Ibrox, Celtic just need to win. If Rangers win that game at Ibrox, Celtic also need to win, but by one more goal than Rangers win by. Um, I know that that's a a bit of a, a tricky one, but I think we are in a, a fantastic position. If I had to put a bet on, I think that Rangers will beat Glasgow City. I don't think Glasgow City are in their best form at the moment. They needed a very late goal on Sunday um, to, to win that game 2-1. And Rangers are playing relatively well at the moment, and especially with the game being at Ibrox, I think that will give them the advantage. It'll see them beat Glasgow City. Um, but I don't think that Rangers touch wood here. I don't think Rangers will beat City by as many goals as Celtic could potentially beat Hearts by. Now Lawrence, I'm absolutely in no way being complacent about this game against Hearts, but for context, Rangers beat Hearts 6-0 at the weekend. Now Hearts did put out their youth team against Rangers in that game, which then obviously obliterated our goal difference um, and let them overtake us by one Goal. Now, Hearts put out their youth team because their season is already technically over. They can only finish fourth. Um, that wasn't going to change. So they gave some of their young girls the opportunity to play. Now, if they do that against Celtic at the weekend at Celtic Park, there is obviously potential for Celtic to make an impact on the goal difference there. So, Lawrence, it is coming down to the wire how do you think Celtic's chances are going into this last game? You've got to 
you've got to back the girls. Uh, although I was speaking to, to Chloe Warrington uh, the other day. You know, she moved uh, the close season over to, from Celtic to City. And she still obviously thinks City have got enough to, to get them over the line. So unusually we're looking for, for, for Rangers to do as a, a favour there. And I, th- I think Rangers win. I think we win the league. I think, you know, a, a new forward up front kit, you know, she's hit the ground running. I think, you know, if we play against Hearts' second string, yeah, you, you, you know, you can see three or four from Kit alone. So I think, yeah, but if Rangers win, I think we win, end up winning the league. Yeah, and James, we do find ourselves in this funny position where we need to want Rangers to win. Um, it is obviously still in Glasgow City's hands. If Glasgow City win their game, they are the champions. Um, Glasgow City are absolutely no strangers to being league champions and to seeing out a league title, having won 14 in a row before Rangers came along one last season. So all, if all they need to do is go out and win, you would think that a team of their experience and their quality are more than capable of doing that. But James, having that game at Ibrox, that's going to make their task a lot more difficult, particularly with the, the form they're in at the moment. Yeah, and you'd imagine the Rangers fans would be trying to bring a big crowd for that one as well. But yeah. Glasgow said they have they were imperious for about three quarters of the season, but just in this close season when it comes to trying to close the season out, they've stumbled a few times. I think we've taken points off them. Rangers have taken points off them, I think. So they're beatable. They're not imperious. So they've got to hope Rangers can get the job done and Celtic can put a good few past hearts. And then hope for a title celebration for a record crowd at Celtic Park. It's been crazy, the strides that we've had with the women's team, even the coverage. People were complaining that, oh, it's getting shoved down your throats. But you can see the records that's breaking out. It's only getting bigger and it's only becoming even more a part of the norm. So if get on board early with the women's football game. That's it, isn't it, Lawrence? It shows from that crowd that were there at Celtic Park there is an appetite for the women's game. And I think everyone who went along and watched that game came away and thought that was absolutely fantastic. The nature of the game itself, going to go behind, playing really well in the second half, scoring the three goals, the atmosphere, there is an appetite for it. And I think equally across the city, I think Rangers will draw a big crowd for their game against Glasgow City. One of these teams is going to win the league and it is fantastic that in two of our biggest stadiums in Glasgow we are going to have some big big crowds watching the final day of women's football yeah it's brilliant you know I'm sure uh, both the girl Lisa Robertson is going to be over the minute the announcement she'll be playing back at Celtic Park mm-hmm. it's it's great to see you know we, we started covering it I think Covid season yeah mm-hmm. uh, you know and it's just went strength to strength You've got to hope, you know, they've got enough to get over. You You know, we had a cup double, you know, cup success is good. I suppose very much like uh, when Celtic first started, it was on the, the Matthew Marr history walk about Celtic's first league title. You know, cup was the all-important thing, but really winning your, your first league is what it's all about, isn't it? It's get the first one and build on it. So, yeah, we've got to hope that we've got enough to, to beat Hearts and the Rangers do us a favour, but but no matter what, you know, we hope the the Celtic fans turn out and give the girls backing, you know, show Fran and the girls, you know, uh, a bit of support. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the game, again, is free to season ticket holders. Um, the game at Celtic Park this weekend will be free to season ticket holders. So if you are a season ticket holder and want to get along and support the girls and potentially watch them lift that league title, then do go on to the Celtic social media channels um, and make sure that you're there to support that. But should results not transpire in our, our favour, James, there is still the Women's League Cup final coming up, um, Celtic play Rangers in that one at Hampden. So there is still the potential of silverware, even if the, the results this weekend don't all go the way that we want them to. And if we do manage to finish second, there is that all-important Champions League football next season. So it has been a good season for the girls and it's potentially going to be a record-breaking one. Yeah, it would be great if they could seal that European spot as well because you can line up against so many of these other European teams that are really sort of leading the way and flying the flag for women's football across Europe. Like, so I think Barcelona had 90,000 crowd last year. It's If you can get Celtic playing up against some of these teams, much like it's only going to help develop the women's team, much like with the B team when they're lining up in the UEFA Youth League against the top academies in Europe, it's only going to help develop the team further. It's only going to sort of harden their personalities and it's only going to be a good thing. And hopefully we can get a bit more success with the Celtic women's team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we were talking at the game at Celtic Park on Thursday about the potential of Celtic winning the men's treble and the women's double. And the trophies would actually require a reconfiguration of the trophy cabinet should that all go ahead to fit them in. So wouldn't that be a fantastic problem to have? Um, we are at our hour mark here, so we are drawing to a close soon. But um just a reminder to get along and support the women on Sunday the 21st at Celtic Park as they go for that league title. Um, but for now, we will come back next week and, and see how all those results went and see where that leaves us. But James Lawrence, thank you for joining me on this Tuesday afternoon on a Celtic State now, of Mind. Before we go, we're not the only club given uh, the cabinet makers problems. Uh, you know, there's a club across the city approached that cabinet maker to make a cabinet for bragging rights. I just don't have a clue what we're talking about. I don't think they can fit them in there. Thank you, Lawrence, for ending the show on a high, as always. And thanks to everyone who joined us in the comments today, regardless of the fact that we couldn't pull them on the screen. Thanks for joining. Network.